Welcome to the Dressage with Amelia podcast, where it's all about breaking things down and helping you learn to love your ride. I'm your host, Amelia Newcomb. These sessions are recordings from my Facebook Live, where I answer as many questions as I can from my audience. I hope you enjoy this episode where I answer your questions about dressage. Please help me out and share this with a friend who also rides horses. Stay. We're on and we're live. I know I've been gone for a while, but I'm back now. Herman is here with us tonight. You have some very exciting things to share. So I taught a lesson today, one of our clients at the barn, and uh, I demonstrated the water skiing and the balancing of the needle on the the head of a pin, being balanced on the head of a pin. And uh, when you balance your horse, you're making it a precarious balance. It's more okay, easily wait, influenced okay. by us. Start over. Okay. So you have an analogy about how to balance your horse. Thank you, dear. Yes. Okay. And that's a big part of what we do in dressage, right? Like we were listening to Carl Hester. Oh, yeah. You yeah. guys all, I'm assuming everybody, or lots of you guys watch the... Um, the World the Equestrian Games. And Carl Hester was commentating. On the Saturday? What was the first day? Half of the first day. Yeah. He commentated like off and on in between coaching people. But one thing he talked a lot about was the rider having to balance their horse. And so Herman today so was I have a stick. teaching. I have a stick. Where is your stick? My stick is here. Are you going to go get it? Okay, so he has two analogies with visuals. If you're listening to the podcast, I'm sorry, you'll have to watch the video recording for this. Okay, so. So there's the stick. Right. That represents your horse. horse. And there's your right rein. And if it goes, there's your left rein. And if it goes this way, there's your right leg. And if it goes that way, there's your left leg. But if your horse is in the middle. Right, but you don't, you can't hold the horse balanced. You have to keep it in the middle of your age. And so when it goes this way, you just, oh, you're always rebalancing a little leg, a little of the half halt from the front, the leg, and you just keep the horse balanced. That was, that was the analogy. And I think as you move up the levels, like do it again, show training level versus Grand Prix. Right. So you've got training level and the, the mistakes, the balance errors, are going to be greater so the fixes are more but as it all tidies up and the horse gets as you close its legs up as you close it back to front it stays more balanced and then with the lighter without grabbing it with a lighter aid it stays where it needs to be and you're not gripping it it's just in the middle of your aids but the balance mistakes when they're learning there's more falling out way and then you do more catching yeah And that's also kind of the difference between a beginner rider, like a beginner rider doesn't feel the horse lose their balance until the horse is like out of balance, right? Like careening while it's happening after it happened, like careening across the arena. But like a more advanced rider or Grand Prix rider, someone that's ridden a lot is able to feel those little imbalances in the horse and fix it sooner and sooner. And we in, in Western, in natural horsemanship, we used to call that getting your horse centered. And the idea being that when your horse is in balance, when your horse is doing what you want it to do, you leave it alone. 
And then the second that they fall in or fall out or go too fast or go too slow, they run into one of your aids. And that's one thing that's important about training your horse is that you're training them to seek the release rather than like holding that stick upright. You're just training your horse to find that balance and that harmony with you. Apparently we're hilarious. <laughs> That's, I think that was from the beginning when I was like, no, wait, stop. You like <laughs> go right into it without like any, um, oh, Abby likes the visual. Okay. Catherine says, great analogy. <laughs> and so then the other one that I showed Carolyn this morning was the water skiing. Now I don't know how many of you <laughs> buy a body of water, but if you can imagine being towed behind a boat, that's... Okay, he's going to demonstrate water skiing in our office, and I'm a little afraid he might, like, pull the thing out of the closet. He's got it, like, tied around so the closet hanger. There's my water skiing handle. So this is not how you go around <laughs> the arena, hanging on the reins, leaning back. Your half halts, right? You do this, you get your balance. You do this, you get your balance. So now you're holding the reins, but you're balanced. And you're tightening your tummy. Which you can't see because the black of the couch. I actually <laughs> was doing a half hole there. Anyway, bad. You, the horse isn't pulling you through the water. You're sitting straight in good posture. And then you can make your half halt and soften the rain and make your half halt and soften the rain. So that was the water skiing one. Yes, no water skiing. And that goes back to the alignment from your like ear, shoulder, hip to heel that you want to be in that correct alignment so that you have neutral spine and so that you're not just like water skiing on your horse because that's, um, again, your horse isn't balanced if you're hanging on the reins and like leaning into the back seat. So Yeah, and if your horse spooks, yeah, then you might be doing a little water skiing. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then you've got to get yourself right again. You know, you've got to get make those half halts and like Herman showed, like bring yourself up into upright and get balanced with your horse again and then be able to to go on from that because many famous people before me you get your horse in the giving not in the taking the take is the half halt but the thing that gets your horse with you is the giving yes you get your horse in the giving okay good analogies you're so funny when herman teaches he does like all these mimes and these like demonstrations and it's it's pretty entertaining sometimes to watch him teach. My horses don't don't appreciate don't my appreciate mimes. it. No, sometimes the horses will like spook at him when he's doing his mimes. But we'll have to do some video one day of you. Um, oh, I'll see if miming if uh, Kathy and Mindy still have what they did. Did they video? Oh, they did, and they had a great big laugh at my expense. <laughs> yeah. We need to do one with the whip bending exercise where you show how to bend your horse between oh the right yeah, the round and then the uphill all right that's there. a good one what other topics tonight we need to talk more about the WEG, the world equestrian games and listening to carl hester watching those riders was amazing it was so inspiring and so fun and what i loved about carl hester's commentating was that he was like super critical and educational. It was kind of like listening to a lesson when you were listening to the commentary, which is not normal because most of the time the commentators are not particularly helpful. Um, so it was really great to have Carl Hester commentate. And I loved how he like 
he was really encouraging of all the riders. Like he felt like there was potential for all of the horses and all of the riders to improve. And he had a solution. Yes. He, he wasn't about just this. He had a solution. He had for every error, every mistake, there was a solution. He had a plan and it was, that was awesome. Yeah. Like his eye is just amazing. And he was able to sit there and watch and like, tell you exactly why whatever it was happened. Like if there was a mistake in the PF massage, he could tell you why. If there was a mistake in the pirouettes or the changes, he was explaining to you why it happened. So that was like super, that super cool. Worth the price of admission, just that. Yeah. And then you get to watch all the fabulous horses and go, oh my God. Yeah. It's all on Clip My Horse TV, which is a paid program. I think it's maybe like $20 a month but it's worth it. And it's, it's good. I think to promote programs like that and to support them because it's it so, helps our sport. yeah, it helps, it our, helps sport. our sport. It's super educational. And, um, and it was definitely really, really wonderful to watch. I also, one of the American riders had a bad ride, like her horse did not do any of the piafs and the horse um, just got really overwhelmed by the environment. There was like a really big crowd there and it was in a big stadium and the horse just kind of freaked out and shut down. And at the end of her ride, Carl Hester goes, he's like, well, you know, it's just dressage after all. And it's important to kind of be able to laugh it off and just remember that like, it's just dressage and horses are unpredictable. They're not machines and we're not solving cancer. Yes. So it's important always to remember that and just, you know, you have good days, you have bad days. And it's also really important to remember that when you have a bad day or a bad ride, like not to obsess over it, not to take it like personally, but just to like move on. And it's just a moment in time. Your whole life isn't that five minutes or seven minutes of a bad ride. You just a perspective about that. It's not there's more in your day than those seven minutes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that brings us to the other item on my list is negativity. Um, Joellen, as you guys know, she's my amazing mother and she like manages Amelia's dressage club, which is crazy. There's like 15,000 people on there. I think we have like 300 posts a week. Like it's crazy. And one thing that's really important to me, to Herman, to my mother, um, to everyone in this community is that we are positive and supportive of one another. Basically, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all because I'm, go. <laughs> you know, I got enough of my own bogus attitudes. I don't need any of your own, yours, right? I have enough in my own head. I don't need right. any help bringing myself down that yeah i do that just fine on my own <laughs> i don't need any help on that that's true we're all critical enough of ourselves um we don't need anyone else to put us down basically if you don't have anything nice to say don't say anything at all and that's really important to me because i want to foster a supportive educational community and you know there's a fine line sometimes between being critical like if you post a video and you ask for advice, you need to be open and willing to listen to criticism, to people's advice. But that said, if you're giving input 
you can do it in a way that's constructive and that's positive. And that's one thing that I loved about listening to Carl Hester was like, he was critical and he was pointing out exactly what people needed to improve on and how to do it. But it was very it was never personal. Yeah, it was never personal and it was very constructive. And so that is really it was just a pleasure to listen to. Yeah. That is really important. That's important to me. And that's my philosophy as well is that I like, for example, when I have a student, when one of you guys sends me a video, I always try to say something positive first, like, okay, you're doing this really well. And then I try to say, like, instead of pointing out what you're doing wrong, I try to say it, say it in a positive way. So for example, instead of like, your horse is over bent to the left, I would say, try to keep your horse straighter in the right rein. Or instead of like, you're leaning forward and you look terrible, I would say, sit more back. And so just rephrasing things in a positive way is a better way to teach and to train because your brain works that way. If someone says to you, don't lean forward, the first thing- and All they, you hear is lean forward, the don't doesn't work. Yeah. That's the scientific- fact not to mention that it also your mental state is so important in your ability to absorb any information and so if you're being attacked and i will give you the example that i had when i was first learning how to ride and the trainer told me that you know, with laced with obscenities how i don't care anything about my horses and um and i'm hurting them and if that is true or were true my trainer would be the one responsible for changing my behavior, but that's not what came across. What came across was that I was a terrible human being and mad to, and be, mean to my horses, which is hurtful and really not useful. And there's nowhere to go with that. There isn't, oh, if you change this behavior, it will improve. No, you're just a horrible human being. Um, so that's back terrible. to, back to, <laughs> nobody needs any help getting torn down. We do a plenty good job on our own. Yeah. So you have to create an environment where people can learn and yeah. bashing them down doesn't create that environment. Yeah. Yeah. So that's important. I think when you're thinking about like picking a trainer, picking someone that you're working with is that positivity. And that's, that's hard too. I think like for me as a trainer and I know for you too, because for example, like when you're watching someone, what your brain is thinking is like, okay, like what are they doing quote unquote wrong that I need to fix? But you cannot tell the person what they're doing wrong. That isn't helpful. You need to tell them what, what to, to do, do to fix that. And that is like really a challenging thing. I have to be careful when I'm teaching to think about that all the time to like reprogram my brain. What can they be doing? How, what should they be doing? You know, keep it positive because the second that it gets negative, then it's no longer productive. So, okay. Enough that on that not, soapbox. Did that stop? Cause it's not rolling. Anymore. No, there's plenty of comments. Herman wants more comments. Somebody please, had asked about the question. Please comment. Because they wanted to the, ask the question about the balance. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Someone so ask the question. Ask the question about balance. Herman would like more comments. Let us know in the comments if you like it when he comes on. 
I do. I was not feeling motivated tonight, but he was like getting all his toys ready was, yeah, for the demo. Was. So um, the other thing I wanted to talk about is so for everyone who's a member of Strides, which thank you guys, we have a ton of new members. I'm super excited about. We had a little motivation session on Tuesday. I know that Amy is here and Amy did this like amazing presentation on affirmations and that totally plays into that positive mindset that we were just talking about. And um, I was thinking of Conrad Schumacher. Conrad Schumacher is a pretty famous German clinician. He travels all over the world and teaches and he's really, I love riding with him. Yeah. Yeah. He gives, he has so many good exercises and everything, but we brought one of our students with us. And when he was teaching her for her flying changes, he had her say one, two, three, I will. And that is just an example of an affirmation is like, when you're going to ask for an aid, you have to have that mindset of like, I will get this change, or I will do this transition, or I will ride my horse or whatever. Because if you don't have that kind of affirmation, it, you know, your it trains your brain to think that it's not going to happen. And that's so important with horses too, is like your intention. Like, one of my students asked me, you know, it's like, I get on and do the same thing my student does and elicit a completely different response from the horse. Why is that? Part of it is because my intention and that when I get on, I'm like, this is going to happen. Like you are going to go forward. If you get on the horse and you're like, well, I don't know, I'm tired. It's hot. Do we really need to work? your horse totally senses that. And even if you put your leg on, if the intention isn't behind it, it doesn't. Um... And that's one of the things in current sports psychology is intentionality. And, uh, and my friend, he always says, you know, if you say you can, or you say you can't, you're right. So did you get the question there? Oh yeah. Donna, when you use your outside leg back more than the inside, to keep the hind end from swinging out and they ignore the outside leg, what should you do? I typically will do a little, let's say your right leg is back and he's bulging out right. I will supple that right side, make the neck soft on that right side and try and move the shoulder over, just, just a little flexion on the outside, hair over the shoulder, make his mass move over that little bit and then go with my right leg over. And then because, it, you know, the stiff side, <clears throat> the hollow side and the convex side. So the convex side, they're go they're going to be pushing outwards. And so on that convex side, it's a little tricky when it's on the outside. So you have to supple that, move the shoulder so that he can listen to that outside leg, get him over and then bend him back the right way, the true bend. Uh, and as they train up, then that becomes easier and easier. But in the beginning, what we had said earlier about like what you do at a training level, you wouldn't be doing that, you know, once you got an FBI horse because you already solved that problem. Yeah, the other thing, helps. the other thing you can do, like if your horse is really bulging through the outside aids and you just like cannot fix it, like on a green horse, a lot of times I'll switch direction. Like for example, if you're going left and they're really bulging out of the right leg. I'll switch direction and then really push them off the right leg when it's the inside leg, 
because sometimes it's easier to make that happen than it is to get them off of the outside leg. So that's one option. The I like other, and I like head to the wall leg yield a lot. So if he's bulging out right, yeah. I'm traveling left, and he's bulging out right, I'll do head to the wall leg yield. So I'll be leg yielding left down the rail. Yeah, and I'll do it halfway down, and then get straight and a little lengthen, and then do it again on the other side and make that outside leg a barrier. Yeah. The other thing you can do is you can do like instead of riding a circle, ride a diamond. That's one of your right. favorite Okay, well, exercises. apparently she's she's a genius because that's what she did. And that's what we said. So <laughs> good job, Donna. You can't all be wrong. You're right? a genius. Great minds think alike. Okay, we have a few questions from our awesome Patreon members. Um, Debbie, what saddles do you use with your horses? I like customs. Um, Kensington goes in a custom icon and Harvey is in the aviar. The aviar is the one, it's like a branch off from custom saddlery. Right, it's the, Carrie who is custom saddle and then Carrie has this other saddle that he's making. Yeah. And Carrie makes a wonderful saddle. Yeah, but the aviar has like a special carbon fiber tree which actually moves a little bit with the horse's back. And since Harvey's so bouncy, that's like the only saddle that I've found that sits quiet on him. So that's the kind of saddle I ride on. Um, All my people in Idaho do the Love It Ricket saddle. Okay. The Love It Ricket saddle? I've never even heard of that. This lady, Debbie, says she rides in a Love It Ricket saddle. Have any of you guys heard of a Love it, Ricket saddle. I have never heard of that. Yeah, Sarah and all our gang in Idaho have those. Okay. Um, okay, Autumn. This is another question from Patreon. I'm still having the hardest time understanding how to get my pony round. Once I establish the connection and get that on the bit ride, so many riders effortlessly get. I've been focusing on sitting centered getting forward energy, establishing and maintaining a steady, consistent contact, think scrambled eggs when trying to get her onto the bit by applying subtle pressure on the reins, inside leg to outside rein. Not so sure if I'm doing this correctly, but I'm pushing inside leg against her at the girth. Um, I just don't get the roundness that I see when my trainer gets her through. Any suggestions? I'm sorry, time and miles. You've got a trainer who's getting it round. You're doing all the things. And it, it's the story of Goldilocks. This is too hard. This is too soft. This is just right. So you're going to have to do too much. You're going to have to do too little and develop feel. It is just, there's no, there's no shortcut to this thing. You're doing all the things you need to do. Um, do it a little more intensely, do it a little less intensely, try a stronger aid, a lighter aid, and discover feel. Yes. Yes. I have some, I'm not going to give it away yet, but I have some exciting stuff coming up at the end of this month that will help you with roundness and contact and connection. But basically, here's the thing is like when you're training your horse, like when you want your horse to go around, you apply pressure. So like you apply pressure to the bit, you apply pressure from your leg. When your horse softens and gives to that pressure, they have to get a release. So immediately. You, immediately. I mean, like right here, right now. And if your timing's off, 
it doesn't work. Right. And so that's why your trainer can get on and like, bam, 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 the horse is round. Is because timing, is good. timing and feel. Like those two things, timing and feel, are like the secret. And when your timing is right, and then you're, you have to, your timing has to be right. And then you have to have feel to understand when the horse does the correct thing to release to that. And that's how you train a horse is pressure, release, release pressure. repetition, like a million times. And here you go. Good decisions are based on experience and experience is based on bad decisions. So you're going to do it wrong until you figure out how to do it right. It's called learning. Yes, riding is hard. Okay, Catherine has a question. What are the aids to do the half steps? You go first. Well, I'm assuming you've got all the prerequisite. You have a half halt that works, and uh, you know you're collecting your horse, and you're not just trying this day one. Um, and I just think shorter, quicker, right? I do little my leg aid. For the half step right it's like i'm driving forward and not going and driving forward and not go and drive forward and not go and i try and shorten up the horse add a little bounce and when i feel that the balance gets a little sketchy i just ride out forward again re-establish the connection and then i think short quick so half halt give half halt, short quick short quick as she as the horse starts to close up and it gets the understanding but if i lose the balance or something now i ride out forward again and just constantly repeat that so yeah. that's how i started yeah yeah, so half steps or piaf or passage, but piaf is trot. It's trot on the spot, and you have to keep that rhythm. So it's not like like um, in the half steps. Some people put their legs a little more back, like behind the girth. Um, that can help to bring the horse's hind in more under. Some people do a little bit of alternating legs left and right, but that's more for the passage. But the biggest thing, like if you watched the World Equestrian Games, is that like with everything, your age should be very invisible. So it's kind of like Herman was saying, you're just like bringing that energy back and onto the spot. And then if you lose the rhythm of the trot, you have to go out and then come back again. And be, be satisfied with very little in the beginning. You know, you just got to get it a little bit. You're just trying to find the way to make the horse understand what you're asking. And as the understanding increases, so then can the demand. Okay, here's a question from Susan Jones. I had my mares hind in today, but the trot was up and down rather than forward. When I gave my inside rein, I felt I I tipped forward. Not sure what's wrong. Balance still on the forehand. All right. So when you gave with the inside rein, were you able to stay soft in the shoulder so that that rein could go and you didn't go, you didn't give by leaning into it? Because I think about my arms is not attached really to my body. So they're free to do whatever. And then my trunk stays in the saddle and then my hands can be released. So that's the first thought. Because I've done that, tried to give and be connected, and then I flip forward. What was the rest of that? Um, so her horse is more like, and okay, she was saying her horse's trot is more up and down. So that's kind of a hard thing is like, like sometimes when you need to get your horse more on the hind end, 
you do bring them a little bit more back, like to the hind end. But if but you take it too far back, they're just going up and down. So then you have to push forward again, but keep the uphill balance. And that's what, like, if you guys watched um, Lottie, Fl- Lottie Fry and Glamourdale, it's on YouTube. So just Google like Glamourdale freestyle. Her extended canter was insane. She got all tens for it. And the horse just like levitated. Like it was like a rocket because she had him on the hind leg and uphill. And then she just went for that extended and she was able to balance that horse and keep him uphill. And it was, it was crazy. And so if you got ripped forward, maybe you didn't give gradually enough, maybe you really threw it forward. And so then instead of the horse being balanced on its four legs, you gave too hurried and boom. And then the horse fell forward instead of just releasing it out forward. It was too abrupt to give. And so then the horse had to catch its balance because if it's up and down, it's really kind of held back. And if you give too much too fast too soon, boom, then it falls forward. So just again, what we were saying for the other question, play with that, you know, do it again, give more, give less, feel that bungee cord in your hand and experiment with it. Yes. Okay. One more question. And then, okay, here's one. Do you have any tips for improving the haunches in? My mare is better in one direction than the other. I think you were working on this today with one of your horses. Um, I think sometimes just baby haunches in. I know it's supposed to be on four tracks, but if I can't get four tracks in the bend, then I do baby haunches in. And again, teach the horse because he's kind of stiff back there. So it's hard for him to really stretch over. So I do it a little bit so that he can get more comfortable and get the balance. And then as he gets more secure, then I ask for more of a true haunches in, which would be on four tracks. But in the beginning, I just do baby. I get him to yield to that leg. Now, you do have to half halt because if you push with the outside leg and you don't put a barrier to the front, then the horse doesn't understand, hey, I'm not supposed to go that way. There's a barrier there. I need to move this over. So that's really the outside. You got to keep the flexion. And it's the outside rein and the outside leg bending them around your inside leg. Yeah. And the other thing you can do, which I saw you do, is sometimes just turn it into leg yield. So, like, forget yeah. about the bend and just straighten the horse so that you can get get the response the to the response. leg and then ease back into a little bit of flexion. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then, or like you could do a volte or a small circle and then to get the bend oh, on and that then note, launches in again. Today, what I did, I started it in shoulder in, did a 10 meter circle from the shoulder in, and then I did the haunches in. Um, when I'm having trouble, I'll do the 10 meter circle first into the shoulder in another 10 meter circle, then into the haunches in. So yeah, circles help a ton. Circles get the bend. All right, everyone. Next Thursday, I'm going to be in Chicago. The horses leave on Monday. So I hope that everything goes well. I'm always get like a little nervous about packing. I'm a terrible packer. I hate packing. And yeah, it's a long ride for the horses. It's like 40 hours for them on the truck. So I hope they do well. And I really appreciate all of your guys' support. We've had a lot of people donate to the GoFundMe, which I really appreciate because it's insanely expensive to have horses and to own them myself and not have a sponsor. So I appreciate that. 
And that's it. Levi says hi. Levi. Levi's always in the background right. of the Facebook lives. And he like, <laughs> it was really hot today. Levi, get up. Say hi. Come here. Say hi. Oh. Come on. Say hi. Say hi. He's going outside. He's, Levi's going to be nine this month. When is his birthday? Uh, Probably already Saturday, passed. The 12th. Saturday. Saturday is Levi's birthday. The 12th is. He's going to be nine. So. Graveyard. Yes. So anyways, um, I hope you guys all have a wonderful evening and I'll see you next Thursday from Chicago. Hopefully my internet connection works. And this year I am going to Chicago, but not for two weeks. So. Yes. He's coming to the show for show weekend. So it's going to be a good time. All right. So that's it for this week. Thank you so much for all of your awesome questions. And I hope you learned something new from listening. If you're new to the podcast and you'd like a question answered on a future one, get on touch on Facebook through Amelia's Dressage Club, Instagram at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, or YouTube at Amelia Newcomb Dressage, and mark the question for the live sessions. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you like it, please share it, review it, and tune in again next week. Thanks so much and happy riding.